Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. David here, reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Take the time to put in a review with the service where you found our podcast, like iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Get involved. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitarist. You can also find us on Twitter as at practguitarist. If you're interested in supporting the show, we have launched a Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com. If you'd like to donate money to the show, there's always Patreon. Our Patreon is available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. If you'd like to reach out to us directly, you can do so at questions at practicalguitarist.com. On with the show. Hi, Jim. Hi, David. Uh, 38 weeks to uh, CureFest. <laughs> I don't hear somebody counting down to the next time you can have to beer. <laughs> hey, I'm three, I'm three months in a year, no gear. I can, I can do this all, all year long. Yeah, thirty eight, thirty eight weeks, man. Thirty eight weeks. Oh. I will, I will probably be getting a wireless system of some sort. I have a cat, uh, Merle, not not Michonne, and yes, they're Walking Dead named. Um, Merle likes to chew on my cables, uh, so rather than try to tidy up every five minutes, I think it might be more prudent for me to get some sort of a wireless cable situation going. Um, yeah, but I'm going to try to look for like the cheapy system, I, either the X5 or the boss, I think at this point, because I don't really, yeah, plan on gig- I don't really plan on gigging with it. Um, yep. so you guys can crucify me if you want, but it's kind of a necessity because I don't want my cat destroying my fucking $40 cables for the rest of the year. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and they don't care. <laughs> I got, I got my big planned purchases coming in this year. Which soon, yeah. soon I will be getting the call for the King of Tone, and the big. Then remember that was purchased two years. Well, not purchased, but that, I got on the list for that thing two years yeah, ago. Ordered it two yeah. years ago. Yeah, two years ago. And then uh, yeah. what else? Oh, but you keep saying it's coming. It's coming. The fifty. The fifty fifty is uh, imminent, and when that shows up, I will be ordering one and putting it up. It'll stay in the box and go into into a bin because I, I you knew I was going to get that anyway, and that's something I'm not going to play until basically your no gear is over. So yeah, um, and I want it. I do. I do like the DoD 250, and because of my uh, affinity for the Ingve Malmsteen stuff and what I'm learning right now, it would be nice to have. But it's going to go in a bin. Yeah, yeah. I've I passed right, on that so- three thing three times already. So anyway. well. Yeah, and as you know, I was looking at a, uh, a cabinet for practice. For yeah, well, it doesn't matter because you, uh, you hopefully done, things work out. You done broke your no gear a while ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I and I still think that buying a cabinet to put in a rehearsal room is not a year of energy. <laughs> I don't care what anybody I says. I wish you guys could see Jim rolling his eyes here. right now. His eyes that are rolling so hard. Thing. His eyes are rolling so hard. I swear he's going downhill. See, okay, so the. <laughs> So the place I rehearse, he's got like 50 guitars and he doesn't play guitar. He's just a yeah. collector. As a, well, the husband who passed away of his girlfriend that he's you know, ah. engaged to was a collector. So they were there. And so he's like, Jim, take your pick. 
Whatever you want to play, just grab it. Oh yeah, gosh. we're oh talking. We're talking Les Pauls. We're talking. Play the, play the widow's talking, guitars. It's fine. Well, yeah, <laughs> I um, would be like, no, I'll play mine. Well, Thank he never you. played them. He never played them, so I don't care. Um, he didn't play. The the guy that died didn't play either. Is there anything he was just a collector. Like, really crazy there that you'd like to get your hands on? Oh yeah, there's there's a couple of old strats. I'm going to take a look and I'm going to get some pictures. But my my thing is, he said, yeah, just go, just saw, go grab one. There's a few bases there. Um, you know, Fender and so on and so forth. Take but the guy doesn't play. Take some pictures next time if they ever want to dump one of those old strats. Maybe I'll, maybe yeah, I'll have yeah. to cast my lot. But uh, well, she's not- a yeah, she's a local um, uh, circuit judge, so they do pretty well. They do pretty well. They've got an old home that they own, and that's cool. Downtown Norfolk. Did I ever tell you when I bought my Princeton? No. Did I ever tell you that story? So, um, a well, it was Cole Duke, actually, who sent me a message via Facebook. He knew I was looking for an old black, or not an old blackface, but but a blackface-style amp. And he caught a Princeton in my area on Reverb for, like, $500. Wow. And I and I bought it, like, immediately. I didn't even think about it. Oh, yeah. And it was, yeah, for, you know, it was for local pickup only, which is why it was sitting yeah. there. And it only been on, it only been on Reverb for, like, two hours or something. It was ridiculous. Um, yep. and, uh, I went to go pick it up from the guy's house and I was, I knew it was in the city and I was like, Oh my God, where am I going? Like this thing's totally, yep. this thing's totally stolen. Right. And I get there and I go in the okay. house, I go, I actually get to the neighborhood and then I start seeing these million dollar homes everywhere. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And then I yeah, right, right, drive up like. the street and I'm in the $3 million home district. <laughs> okay. Yep. Um, so I'm, I'm le- becoming less and less afraid of like being mugged. And more and more afraid. And more and more afraid of, of a serial killer pulling you over. No, yeah. of a serial killer. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I pull over. I go in. I go in the uh, you know the driveway, or whatever. And I and I send a message to the guy and like I'm out front, or whatever. And he says, "Come on in." So I come in. He's got huge Dobermans. Um, probably I think it was two or three. And um, I walk into his kitchen, and there's the Princeton sitting on the counter. And he says, you know, can I interest you in a Mesa Boogie and a bunch of other stuff? And I got Paul Reed Smith I'm selling. And um, and I'm like, honestly, I'm like, I, I right now I'm financially strapped. But I said, I, I'm here for Princeton. Like, I really want, I, you know, I wanted a, a blackface center for a while. And they said, this is a great way for me to get into one. And uh, he said, well, he said, I should let you know. He's like, um, he's like, I, I retubed it, changed the speaker. He did all the upgrades, right? It's got the Weber, like the really nice, fancy Weber speaker in it and everything. And I'm like, oh, that's fine. I have no problem with that. He's like, you want to hear it? And I'm like, well, yeah, sure. Um, so he plugs it in, and he opens his case, and he's got a 1960-something 335, right? <laughs> Cherry, like the, that, that beautiful, like, bright red yeah, color. Red. Um, yeah. And his strap looks like something from the 60s. And I'm like, who do you play with? Because at this point, I know this guy's, like, a professional musician. Because he's got, I'm, he, oh, I got Paul Reed Smiths and everything else I'm trying to sell, too, if you're interested. And it's obviously I'm not buying a ripped off amp at this point. He's not a serial killer because he hasn't stabbed me yet. Right. Shove me down the stairs. He didn't invite me into yeah, his that basement. Already where, happened. He, he motioned to the basement when he said, could I interest you in Mason Boogie? So I know all the stuff was downstairs, but I'm like, I'm like, is he going to push me down the stairs? You know, kind of deal. And uh, <laughs> no, none of that happened. So he, he plugs, plugs into the Princeton and he hits a couple chords. I'm like, wow, it sounds really good. And then he's like, would you, yep. you know, you want to try it? And I was like, I looked in for a minute yeah. and I'm like, Yes, yes, I do. With a big, big smile on my face, and he's he hands me his gravity pick, right? And he's like, he's like, here, take it for a spin. So 
He's like, oh, yeah, and don't drop the guitar. It's worth about $30,000. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, no, no pressure, pressure right? So. I mean, out of a box, a 335 is is dollars Yeah, it's like, it's like between four and $6,000, yeah. depending whether it's custom yep. shop or not. And this guy's handing me an original. 4, is a cheap one. Yeah, he's yeah. handing me an original, right? He's like, yeah, go, go town on it. Um, so. I asked him, I was like, what band are you with? And he says, he says, I actually used to play for New Colony 6. And he's like, I've done a lot of studio and session work since then. So I don't know yeah. if anybody knows New Colony 6. They were kind of a local Chicago outfit, you know, in the 60s. Probably, yeah, right. I, they, I think they ended before 1970. And they did uh, had a bunch of, like, local hits and stuff. And he was, I mean, he was probably making a pretty lucrative living as a musician. So yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and I got, I walked out with a Princeton for 500 bucks and the Princeton is actually in the possession of okay. one of my friends. Now, um, I ended up not driving well with the Princeton and it moved on. Yep. So yeah, sometimes it's a whack house. And yes, I passed so we're, the deal on. <laughs> speaking of hardware. Uh, so, um, we've got a, uh, thread in the group and it's got quite a bit of things to talk about <laughs> today. So there's so much, there's so much um, fucking hardware tonight's top topic is guitar hardware all so right, first of all, all right, let's all right. talk we're, we're let's talk, talk in general about hardware we're talking about hardware talk but, but, I, but i think we should right. i think we should we should be very clear about this there are so many gadgets that have been right. developed for guitar like standard equipment for a guitar is either like a vibrato style fender bridge you know jazz, right. and then there are of course the offset bridges too and then there's yeah. like the tunematic style and you know bigs right. and all that stuff fit in there but those are pretty standard yep. options, right? And they're and they're rooted in history. But lately things have been getting pretty crazy and there's all kinds of alternatives, which is why we're Exactly. Um talking and about And one of the first threat. ones that we're talking about is Irvana Nut. So Nick Bonger's <laughs> post about the Irvana Nut. Have you ever used one of those? Because I have. Yes, I, I have. Um I've played somebody else's, yeah. not my own. Um Yeah, me too. So <clears throat> I have I have a really I would say traditionalist opinion of the Irvana nut, which is um, I get what it does. It works at what mm -hmm. it does. It makes the guitar mm -hmm. play more in tune with itself. I think yep. in certain situations that might be really useful, but for me, when I play it, it sounds wrong. I, I, yeah. for whatever reason, my ears are like, that's not way, the way your guitar is supposed to sound. And I freak out and it feels weird. And then I start yep. overcompensating. I think if I owned one, a guitar with an Irvana nut, I'd be fine. Like I would get used right. to it, but then I would be the guy that has to replace all the nuts on my guitars to the Irvana nut. Like that's yeah. the same reason I don't have a scalloped guitar right now is because I know the ones. Yeah, I why would you? Right, because once you do it, you're not going to be able to go back. Um, yeah, so I I play the Irvana nut as well, and I I jived with it. I thought it was nice. Um, it, it reminded me, as far as the feel and the the sound went, um, of like a compensated bridge. So yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so it was it wasn't a similar um, thing to me. I think the Irvana nuts are good. Um, now speaking of nuts and Irvana and all that stuff, when you do a string change, do you put nut sauce on your on your uh, um, strings at the nut? No, and so that I'm using the Graftech nuts on all my strats, yep. and I am starting to use the uh, I guess it's Dunlop equivalent of nut sauce that I use on my. Yep. Uh, my Gibson style guitars. My SG has never actually needed it, believe it or not. But I just yeah. found out the other day. Um, I was at the, I was at my local 
guitar shop and we're looking at my SG because I had it set up. And he took a look at it and he goes, that's not the original nut. I said, really? I said, because this huh. guitar was bought new. He looked at it and he goes, no. He's like, they, they replaced it at the store then because he's like, that's not the, the, the style nut that comes on a 2016. I'm that's like, not the tectoid? Yeah, and I asked him, oh. he's, like, he's like, no, I'm pretty sure this is Tusk. He's like, this is, this is the graph text. So, hmm. um, kind of cool. I, it, well, that would explain why I haven't had to use Big Ben's on it. Although I did, yeah, I no. did have him throw some uh, sauce in it when I was at the shop because uh, I immediately noticed it was going out of tune when I, when I was doing certain bends and stuff. So I was like, all right, there's something right. going on here. And um, I didn't yeah. know that Gibson's had the kind of um, tuning issues that, that I've been experiencing. And apparently it's really, really common. So I'm completely okay yeah. with it now. And we just put it up and go. I, yeah, I use a little bit of nut sauce. Um, and honestly, I haven't had the tuning problems on my Gibsons that other folks have, have mentioned. But then again, I use nut sauce. So, so can I can I say something real quick just with regards to nut yeah. sauce? I don't know how we've gotten through the last four or five minutes without make, me making some sort of a dick joke. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, when, you're sauce, when your nuts are that saucy, you just keep a little extra for later. Yeah, it's been really so, hot here uh, today, so my nuts are probably pretty saucy. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh it's pretty God. muggy outside. <laughs> um, we, yeah, uh, luckily I work in an air-conditioned area. Um, so Jason Fuzzmonger, speaking of uh, folks who work, um, he's probably working right now. Yeah. Uh, so he asked about the – I couldn't find anything about a Ducey less trim, but the Zero Glide nut, again, we're kind of in that, that nut thing. I think everybody wants a nut that – allows you to have you've seen the zero nuts or i'm sorry zero frets that kind of help the nut out um well so and, the, uh, the, the deuce about less trim i believe that's the device you actually sent no. me no that was a different one. Oh, i thought it was the less trim no the one i sent you was that's coming up later uh that was the um which i have logic I am going to have that installed on my... No, no, I think it's a less trim, man. No, it was the Floyd Rose rail tail that I sent. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the actual physical tremolo you sent me for my SG. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, it's a less trim. Oh! What do Um, you think of it? I haven't installed it yet. I looked at the hardware. The hardware's really beefy. I think it's going to be cool. Um, I'm just... I'm, I'm nervous about any sort of... Um, vibrato that is not of the conventional variety. I was looking at the FRX to put on my SG for a while. I mean, in, in all reality, all you're doing is you're going to put it on and you're out maybe a set of strings if they don't. Yeah, you know. and that's, I'm not, I, like, I'm not concerned about that. I just want to make sure it holds tune. Like, if it actually works, Jim, I'll probably use it. Yeah. But um, it's one of those things where I will comment on it on the show when I do install it. And we will talk. Yep. We will have a little bit of an in-depth discussion as to how well it works. Yeah. So those who aren't aware, um, when I bought, um, when I fell off the wagon of the year, no gear, twenty days into it or so, um, and I got my SG, 20, which twenty four days into it, I believe. Twenty two. In its case, and yeah, well, I'll give myself twenty days credit because at that point I was already ready to jump. Um, uh, when I got the SG. Um, it had a in a bag. It wasn't installed, but in a bag, it had the Ducey. I thought it was. Du- I don't know. If it's short for like Duesenberg. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Got to give it. 
Yes, yeah. exactly what it is. Um, Deucey is Deuce and Berg. <laughs> yeah, Deuce and Berg, last, tra- last Paul Tram. And what it is, it's an aftermarket tremolo. You could stick right on. All you do is take your current um, bridge off. Well, actually, your current. Um, it's just the tailpiece. The tailpiece, yeah. You take your current stop, top, stop bar tailpiece off. You put this tailpiece on. It doesn't, it doesn't require any changes to your guitar whatsoever, mm-hmm. except possibly the height of the. Yeah, that's and, that's why I balked on the um, the FRX because you do have to install a locking nut on that thing. Yeah. So, I I don't want to install a locking nut on something I don't uh, unless I'm you know there are there are guitars that I, I would probably do that too. I'm but probably gonna PRS, too, I'm but. probably gonna keep my SG forever to be honest with you, but I'm just like yeah. I'm still not to the stage yet where I'm like. I will. I will absolutely keep this guitar forever. There have been a couple times where I've been like, eh. Um, so that's why I haven't gone FRX. If I really want to put a trim on it, I'll go to FRX. But actually, I kind of like the fact that it's stop tail right now. It's one of the few guitars yeah. where I can bend and it doesn't like go all crazy on me. Yeah, we'll talk more about so, that later because there's another piece of gear that I'm looking at. Oh, there's that a may there actually is. fix that problem. So the, the he said um, Tone Pros. I think as far as um, Gibson goes, Tone Pros is. Pretty much the that's that's your standard. That's ubiquitous when it comes to well, no Gibson. T- tone pros are not, not used on Gibsons um, really? from the factory. No, tone pros is like an aftermarket brand, and it has so it. Uh, the, well, I've always bought tone pros aftermarket, so yeah. I, I always assumed that it was tone pros that they were putting on. No, it. they're they, they use their own proprietary ABR bridge right now um, on on most of their guitars. I'm sure some of their reissue stuff they're using other things, but. The Tone Pro's the whole idea is that it locks together, and so the system doesn't have any play yeah. in it, which is supposed to provide better sustain and contact with the body. I don't know that that's as important as um, a, a thing that I like to call um, bridge creep on uh, on like yeah. older Les Paul style bridges, especially ones from the '90s and, and the '80s. Like I've noticed that just playing them in the store and stuff, if you bang those hard enough, you can actually turn the thumb screws in some cases. And it'll actually mess with the action or the intonation, and it doesn't take a lot to mess with the the intonation of a guitar. I mean, literally, you can you can rest your hand behind the bridge on one of those guitars, and it'll mess up the intonation because um, you're changing the stress that's on the string, and so therefore the tension. Huh? Why did I think the tone pose came with uh, with the Apple tunomatics? I think. Ah, uh, the t- yeah, the they call their bridge yeah. a tunomatic, but tunomatic. Um, they have different systems. Like I know they're on the eight. I think it's the ABR system. I want to say no, but it's a whole thing. And you know what? Honestly, um, I think stop tail bridges are basically just stop tail bridges in my estimation. Yeah. Brass saddles may make a difference depending on what you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But really you're ba- you're paying for a solid bridge. You, I, I do yep. not like the ones that have that vintage, like that, the um, retainer, that retainer spring thing which is yeah, really just a either. long piece of wire that runs across. I hate that fucking thing. Um, and yep. I have, I have one on my, um, Shengze, and it's, it, that bridge is getting replaced. Yeah. I'm putting a tone pros in it. Like I've already decided yeah. I just haven't got around to doing it yet. Um, but so the, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. The other thing that, that Jason mentioned was a thing called Tremologic. Now I'd never heard of it. Um, it, but I had seen it, which I, you know, after after I watched a video about it, I was like, oh, I remember those things. I, I still think it's a one-trick pony. I mean, it's, it's a good-looking idea for the guitar, 
but it's so it's the one where you have um it's kind of like imagine a floyd rose um but for every single string so each string um i and i akin it um uh, to the um or I, I relate it to the uh um was it the Evertune? Yeah. Well, I mean, it certainly uh, looks that, a little bit like the Evertune bridge. Yeah, in that each string has to have its own tension. Yeah, but what's just like a. What's fucking weird yeah, about this thing is that I'm looking at a picture of it, and it's got those yeah. big tail pieces, which I'm assuming allow yes. you to uh, do vibrato Bend. effects per string. Yeah, which so is you fine, can do one string vibrato. But you're gonna have to move your hand position to a place where you're not yep. picking in order to use it which makes it absolutely much. i mean i guess if your style yeah, is a... built around it that's fine but for me this would be yeah. fucking useless in my so in the thread i put a link to a video if anybody's interested where a guy does a whole song where he's using it and honestly here's what i said and i and i stand by this here's a relatively boring shred to show off one of those aforementioned products it's a 3D movie. Um, yeah, I saw it's that cool today. It's cool now and again, but overdone. Um, when overdone, it comes out like Jaws 3D. It just gets where you at that. This is silly. I mean, it just, I, I could see it. Like I said, it seems like a one trick pony, uh, one song, one cool thing, but I couldn't yeah, see. Using, I don't think you could base uh, it as an record. entire, like an, an entire repertoire on that piece of equipment. Um, I don't mind, so I'm also a guy that's like, I remember when Korn came out with their signature guitar and they had that weird whammy system with the rail set across, yeah. across the top of the bridge. Like, I get that kind of playing, because a lot of people do that, where they, they rest their hand on the bridge and use that for their tremolo effects. Yep. And, and in fact, yep. I've, I've seen players who don't even use the bar, they, they never even install a bar yeah. on the guitar, and that's fine. Like, I get that. Yeah. I don't think this is necessarily the same thing. It actually looks kind of painful to use um if you yeah, see the look, one with I the mean, curved piece instead of the instead of the actual levers with a flat thing on it yeah this one uh, the one that i put the video up in has the flat this this belongs in, in some bdsm porn that's what this is yeah this is pretty bad it's pretty bad um so uh, then we've got the fu tone anything okay <laughs> the F-U company tone. is fu tone i can comment on fu tone um I've yep, seen some I of their can. products, and I've I've used people I know who've had their products installed on their guitars. Um, the Titanium Bridge Block is one that, that I've heard of before. Um, I've seen their Titanium Bridges, like their saddles and stuff. Those are extremely expensive. You want to spend a lot of money on your Floyd Rose system? Go to Fu Tone because they they got upgrades that you probably didn't know existed. Um, they do offer some really cool products. They got the springs that are tension they're they're tension rated strings or strings springs so that if you're going to install them in your tremolo block you can choose to use three strings or three springs right of the right weight and they're coded so they don't make all that rattling noise that a lot of stratocaster players have to deal with so i'm actually i'd love to get some of their tension springs i think they're a little pricey um i figure i could probably get the same stuff from mcmaster car if i'm wise yeah. enough and and you know um look hard enough but having said like at least with fu tone you know that you know they've they've tested what they're giving you and all that um 
they have a lot of endorsers over there. A lot of people use like one small product from them, you know, like one thing, like, like the, the, uh, titanium bridge blocks or something like that. So, um, yeah. Which leads us into what, what's the next item on the list? here? Um, the next item talk about bridge blocks later too. Yeah. So I mentioned Evertune, a couple other people mentioned Evertune. So what is your feel of Evertune? I, I've only tried an Evertune guitar, so I, I'm going to come from a very small. Yeah, I have a very limited experience of, with them too. I tried one in a store, probably, probably, I want to say. And actually, I thought it was a Kaler when I picked it up, which was really kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And then I looked and I was like, yep. "This is not a Kaler." <laughs> and I was like, yeah, "This is an Ever- this has got to be one of those Evertune jobs." Um, and yep. somebody had set it up. So this is why I know you can bend on them because they had set it up so that you could bend on them. Um, yes, you can. If you tune the string to pitch and leave it alone, you can set the bridge so that you cannot bend. And it is the weirdest fucking yep. thing on earth when you bend and the sting, the string stays the same tension and tuning. Yep. Um, yep. I, so I, my understanding is whoever whoever invented this thing was like this nut as far as like he, he was um it's an engineering he couldn't stand a string being out of out of tune. So he did all this work to get to create well, this system. It was an engineer, right? And he and he decided, right. um because I was reading about it today, he just he figured that he looked at the other existing systems and he said, How come nobody's done this already? Because he'd already like figured it out and said how he's going to do it, so then they they right. you know took it to prototype and they basically built this thing, and it's a I mean yeah. it's actually a pretty clever system. They're using uh, balanced tension springs on both sides to um, make sure that yeah. you know, the string comes naturally back to pitch, and I mean it's, it's really damn creative actually. Um, I wish that it had some way for you to s- switch on the fly between bend and non-bend mode. Because I right. could definitely see this being a tool that a lot of people would want to have in their arsenal. Those guys that are buying like the Irvana thing or the um, there's yep. a, a Buzz Fighting tuning system, tuning system where they actually modify the Buzz Fighting. That's the one that yeah, yeah, that's the one where the guy was a little bit. Yeah. Now, if you want to go to like Buzz Fighting or something like that, like I could definitely see an Evertune bridge being right up your alley because it's yeah. very similar concept. I would think that probably even the intonation is better on the Evertune bridge than it's than any other bridge on earth because it actually I would think. it's tension based okay yep. um that being said i i would not use an evertune bridge um again so, i have intense problems with even the Nirvana nut because i'm like it sounds too in tune to me <laughs> like this doesn't sound right being, yeah so not being a sh- a shredder um you know at all uh my my playing style is I hit a note, and if it doesn't quite sound right, yeah, I bend you it. Bend it. Yeah. I <laughs> so think we I get all do there. that instinctively. Yeah, and so yeah, I was playing a song today by um, Level Forty Two. There's a band that plays yeah. some easy music. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was doing a solo in a, uh, in one of their um, big shit. Hits if that's Level Forty Two, I don't want to fucking see Level Forty Three. Yeah, me, me too. I'm like. Oh, and now I know why they call them level 42. And um, so anyway, the uh, uh, in the solo, there's a lot of bend. I mean, that guy's bending the crap out of the string. And he's glissanding up and down the neck. And I just went, 
Oh yeah, there goes my fingers. The the tips of my fingers, you can't see them as but they are totally ripped pieces just from playing that one side. I just thought the structure of it was was hard to follow. Like that was my whole oh, thing. Oh, they're they're yeah, their their chord structure is well, have you ever seen the bass player okay. uh play? I mean, oh geez. That guy, Mark uh Mark Sutrunner. It starts with an M, but um, he's an incredible bass player. Just his pop and slap. He's the kind of guy he plays chords and pop and slap all the time. Yeah. I don't know if he knows how to. You do can't this. get him to like. I think if you had to slow him down, you'd have to cut off three of his fingers. You know, like that's Yeah. <laughs> he's and, and his thumb. Incredible player. <laughs> um. Well, that, all that said, I just think for me the ever tune just didn't work. Even though somebody had set it up for bending, and I know it can be set up for bending. I didn't feel like you, you remember that, that when you're playing and you go to bend, part of it is your ear. Part of it is muscle memory. Yeah. And, and the thing about the attitude is it, depending on how the bridge is set up to bend, you can actually adjust yeah. how much is a half step in your, in your bending tension. It's insane. And I, I, that was my reaction too. When I played, it was like, wait a minute, that's a half step. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's and I weird. Think there's a, yeah, there's a certain something to be said about, um, you know, we wouldn't have quarter note bends if quarter note bends weren't useful. And they're used all the time in all kinds of music. And so uh, being a little bit out of tune and coming back gives, yeah, there's a certain ten, amount of tension release. Tension release, right. That comes with a song that needs that. And I just, for me, the ever tune is not something I would. Now, if, if, I think somebody said, was it uh, um, Nick or uh, somebody who mentioned um, it would be good if they made an Evertune for an acoustic? Because for an acoustic, if you're straight up cowboy chords um, and uh, uh, you know your your Is standard it, bar chord player, yeah, go ahead. Oh well, I was thinking so. Yeah, I mean it works great. It would work great on an acoustic guitar, but then I think about Babix. Are you familiar with Bavix? Yeah, and they yeah. make those guitars with the um, the strings that actually go through a, like a loop or something around the top of the edge of the guitar yes. to like make sure that the top is very lively. That's really yep. really cool, and that's yeah. a, a, a great application of science. However, yep. they look ugly as sin. <laughs> oh my god! Yes, they look horrendous. Ugh. but it's it, you know what they should do. And and I I should probably write Bavix and be like, if you could figure this out, this would be even better. What if you put yeah. the posts inside the guitar so that so that somehow know, the strings gonna... ran from the inside of the guitar up right. through the, the bridge across the top instead of across the top like they do? Because it, you'd it's have to just... come up with some way. For, well, I mean, around the edge of the guitar, even you could you could put little holes for the strings to go in, and it right. would be the same concept. I mean, the holes would, of course, would be a part of the bracing. So maybe that might even yep. be better if you yeah. think about it. Although it does put more I'll, tension on the bracing. So the bracing's got to be really damn good. I'll put a link for the Babix in the, in the group. Okay. Uh, we'll put that in the show B notes. Um, Babix. I-C-Z. I-C-Z, right? Babix. Yeah. And they make, um, um, they make a bunch of bridges and stuff for like... They do. They make a... I'm exactly. looking at their strat bridge. Um, so I'm, I am going to fix up the, the uh, white fender strat I have. I don't know when I'm going to do it. I don't know what I'm going to do to it. So I've been investigating bridges because I don't, 
not a big fan of the the uh, vintage six screw bridge. Um, I'm looking at yep. the Super V, the Blade Runner, which is also in this list. We'll get to that in a minute. The Bavix equivalent, and then the Floyd Rose Railtail, which I actually like the Floyd Rose Railtail quite a bit. So, yeah. The only thing is, it's decked. Um, it's decked, so you can't you can't bend up on it. Yeah. So I did look. I was right. The Tone Pros have been used on um, Les Pauls. Matter of fact, uh, oh really? According to Tone Pros site, uh, they started. Um, they they recognized um, that they were using the Gibson. Gibson USA is now equipping Les Paul and SG models with Tone Pros patented system when two did, locking when, bridge systems. When did that, standard equipment. When did that happen? Um, well, this says Nam twenty eighteen. Yeah. yeah, fairly recent. Yeah. I don't well. I, knew, I, don't, I, knew I know it wasn't more than five price. years ago because when I was looking at yeah, Gibson's five or six years ago, they they were not doing that, or at least not the no, ones I, I was looking a, at. Yeah, and a big um, that was a big upgrade to like if you got an Epiphone. Yeah. Cell phone, well, it's because Epiphone comes with the shittiest, cheapest hardware you can get your hands on. Um, yeah, basically, it's like one step above pot metal. <laughs> yep, yep, that's pretty much it. I mean, you can melt it with if, a lighter. If you wonder where you're. Yeah, if you wonder where your cans, your aluminum cans and stuff go when you're done with it, where do you think all that metal goes? It goes yeah. back into the system. Yeah. It becomes weaker aluminum. Um, so Jay Wells asked about the brass tone block. Now, you had some interesting insight into the brass tone block. I have some insight, but only as a bass player. So right, I'll come so in as a bass player. On this. When I – does it matter? First question. Yes, it does. Um, yes. But – I think the amount that it matters based on what the literature says versus my real world experience is yep. a whole nother animal. Right. So I have, um, I had an SRV strat at the time and it had the, the big shitty zinc block that they put in all the fenders. And oh, yeah, I yeah. threw the zinc block in the trash and I bought myself the Callaham. I, I believe Callaham. Let me look. I believe it's brass. But it's the old style block. Now there were some advantages. Actually, I did not buy it for the intended tonal benefits. What I bought it for was I wanted the arm to fit better into the guitar and not have to have the stupid fender springs that everybody loses. Oh, or doesn't even realize they even lose. exist. Right? That you lose most of the time and most people don't even know what it's in there. So those of you who don't know, or if you've ever owned a strat, or you're gonna buy a strat, there is a very, very, very small spring in there. When we're talking about small, it's yeah, smaller it's than like what um, you find in a pen. Yes, yes, it's about that size. What you find inside of a pen, um, and it's very tight. Um, and so, a lot of times you get lost because when the guitar, um, uh, when the companies get them to put them on the wall, they take the tremolos, the tremolo bars. They're not in there, and so those springs get lost in the shuffle of, of the stuff that goes around. Especially now that a lot of guitars don't come in a case, come in a box. So their block, I'm not seeing what it's made out of. I believe it's stainless now that I'm looking at it because it's clearly not brass. Um, oh, here, block details. Uh, it is... Uh, they talk about the counterbore, uh, the diameter, which, of course, they make, a, they make an American version. They make a Mexican version of the Callahan block. Yeah. Um, and they're yeah. they're countersunk so that they will hold the tremolo bar right. Um, 
The block material is steel and not just any steel. The steel used cannot contain any lead, no lead. So it's pure steel, basically. No, yep. no zinc, no pop metal. Um, so, yep. so it's basically a soft cast steel block. Um, right. and they don't look the same either. They have a, uh, like a mirror finish on the surface that actually touches the bridge. Um, yeah. and if you go through Callahan's site, like, there's a reason why everybody buys the Callahan replacement parts for their vintage guitars, because they actually, they have a whole thing where they talk about the bridge plate and the mounting and how Fender has changed it over the years. And they've stuck true to the correct original, like vintage six screw style bridge. And because of that, their tremolo allegedly works better. And I've heard this from players who actually use their stuff. I have not ever right. had their full bridge assembly, so I can't comment, but. I, I think there's probably some truth to that. I know that Fender's made a lot of running changes over the years. And a lot of people say that the bridges pre-70s worked a lot better. And I think that's because they changed the angle, um, which is what Callahan's talking about. But anyway, long story short, my experience with changing the bridge block on guitars, um, going from zinc to the steel, yes, it did what I wanted it to do. It made the tremolo arm sit better. Um, it was yep. not as big a mess. Uh, it was easy to install. Um, I would say I got like a 3% increase in sustain. It was minimal, next to nothing. Now, granted, it's not a quote-unquote brass block. Um, right. So the guitars I have played that have either a brass block or some sort of you know brass saddles, they do resonate differently. I wouldn't say that it necessarily increases the sustain, but it does, but it does something to the sound. Um and another another interesting feature, um, the Ingvay Strat I played a while back, they have a brass nut. And it's almost like a zero fret. Like it's it it feels like a nut yeah. in the way that you play it. Because if you play a zero yeah. fret guitar, you know, your your first fret is always it feels kind of loose right. because you yep. don't have a nut holding that string in place. Um this feels like a guitar with a nut, but it sounds like a guitar with a zero fret, which is really quite yep. interesting. Um yep. And I think that brightness is not as bright as people would expect it to be being a metal nut. And that's what I'm getting at is that it it does like a warm roundness to the upper frequencies of the guitar. And I would definitely say that it it does increase sustain again, but how much that's debatable. I mean, it really depends on how much you had before. So my SRV strat was never lacking sustain. That was never an issue. So for me to do a bridge bridge block upgrade, I didn't feel like I got anything out of it other than to get my trim bar to work properly. Um, and I was well, pretty curious. And I, I want to say this the right way. I didn't A-B test it. So my impressions may have just been on the fact that, like, I spent $80 on a bridge block, and I'm sitting there going, this is stupid. Like, you know. Yep. But, well, you got what you wanted, really. The thing you were right. after wasn't really a sustain. You were after the... Uh, the countersink. The um, countersink. Yeah. And so you spent eighty dollars to make sure that your your I don't even know if it was eighty. I think it was a lot cheaper than I think it was like forty or something. I don't remember what I paid yeah. for. Gone now. So my my um uh brass um not or brass uh, bridge thing comes from bass, playing bass. Um everybody said get a get this bass bridge, get that bass bridge. I must have changed my bass bridges out a hundred times. And honestly the only thing that ever really um, gave me anything from it was a, what they called a badass. Yeah, the big, the high mass bridge. Yeah, a high mass badass bridge. And 
in all honesty, um, could I have lived without it? Certainly. I, I didn't, I needed that much. But when you're playing songs like every time you go away, um, and stuff like that, where you're playing the, um, long, uh, notes on a fretless bass, it did kind of help in that, you know, can, can, I don't know if anybody knows that song, but as, as not being a bass player, um, can I comment on this for a second? Cause I, I just, I yeah. find it hilarious, the trend in bass guitar. And I know we have some bass players in the group and you can, you can hate on me if you want, but the, um, the trend of bass guitarists, like we need as much sustain. And, um, I don't think the drive for clarity is as big because you feel bass more than you hear it. Um, right. They want it to, to sustain like hell. Basically they don't want the note to decay at all. They want to play a synthesizer and they're going to links of like, we're going to use, um, active electronics. We're going to use so much compression that, you know, we have to put two compressors in line because I've seen guys with compressors on their board and compressors built into the amp and running them both. And they have, um, you know, they have the, the amp turned up. So they're getting every bit of sustain they possibly can. I went, I, I knew a guy that used to stand in front of the amp in the right way. So the guitar, so the bass would kind of feed back a little bit is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. That's, and, and it was like obsession. Yeah. And yeah, I, I get it. Well, but is it necessary? No, I, I, okay. So again, I played bass for a while. I played bass for a long time. I still yeah. play bass. Uh, matter of fact, I was playing bass the other night. Cause I play a bass on a couple of songs. We, the other, the bass player and I switch out like full supplies blues and things like that. Sure. Um, and I play on, so full supplies and blues and I play on a doobie brothers song. Um, so one of the things that, um, uh, I, I want out of a bass. Okay. There are times when you have to have, it's harder live than it is studio to get a note to sustain the right way when you need to hit it and then hear it thump and hum under the, under the um, rest of the band. Right. While you've got the kick and you've got everybody else going on when you really, your part is very, very, um, very few notes. Mm. We're not, we're not talking about level 42. Now. We're talking about, you know, where you're right. Um, thing is, what, so the, let me, let me get to this. So for me and a lot of bass players I spoke with, cause I, I speak with a lot of them is that, um, the, the active electronics isn't about your sustain. The active electronics is about controlling your tone. Okay. So it, it is not about I, nobody. I know says, yeah, get electro active electronics for sustain. It's not like when you're getting EMGs for a guitar, it's actually so that you can, you can yeah, have they, control you active tone controls. Right. But absolutely. That also gives and you a higher signal level control. It gives you a higher it signal does. level, which well, can then be used does, to boost your almost all of us compression, but almost well, actually almost all of us, you'll, and you'll notice this on just about every bass amp, you push in the button that says, 10 B 10 DB pad. Really? So you're padding the signal. Oh, okay. So I know I padded my signal every time. Um, so, and the reason was because yes, there are times when I want to compress my signal. There were songs again, like, like I mentioned, every time you go away, if you sit down and listen to us by a guy named Paul Davis in, in uh, the bass, um, I can't remember who the guy's name was, played bass. And it's terrible of me. Um, he played for a lot of famous people and he also played for, um, uh, the who for a while. Okay. Um, he, he played, uh, 
His name just came and went. It's got a weird Italian name, so that's why it's hard for me to uh, pick up in my brain right now. But um, anyway, <clears throat> he um, the when you're playing fretless, fretless has a tendency to die like that. Yeah, fretless is, it's is a whole other animal. Dead. Um, and for most people who play bass, um, getting it, it's not just the compression. Good bass players, well, well-seasoned bass players, I shouldn't say good, well-bass players typically will find that sweet spot that they know how to play so that you can get the, you can get the, um, uh, those long, low, slow notes to sustain without a lot of compression. You use a little, I mean, I didn't, I never used any compression, but there are those who will, um, but the reason is because you want the notes to be, you want your level to be like this. You want it to be pretty flat most of the right. time. You really don't have a lot of dynamic and volume most of the time with bass in a lot of music. Um, so whether you're playing uh, jazz or you're playing fusion or you're playing disco or you're playing uh, funk or you're playing rock, most of those things, blues. I mean, if you're, if you're um, now, now picture a uh, three-piece band any good three-piece band. What happens when the guitar player goes to play a solo and the bass player isn't good enough to know how to then change his playing yeah, style or her playing apart. style? Right. All it becomes, it's just, it's just dead, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm getting at. I know I'm kind of um, going weird here, but um, for me, uh, playing bass is and was about, always about sitting in the pocket um, and and getting the groove and the you know and the melody and and building that harmonic bridge between the two. Yeah, and filling because up because really, sound. exactly. If you if you talk to a bass player and you tell him it's an E minor, he goes, oh, "Okay, I'm just playing E." Then you don't want that bass player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't want the four <laughs> in the floor guy. Yeah, exactly. You want to? I mean, I mean, not everybody can be you too. And no four notes and be the rest of your life make millions of dollars as a bass player. <laughs> Sorry, I'm nodding but they, my for approval. the YouTube fans, but he's yeah, he's just not that good. But anyway, I mean that's why for for a bass player, for me at least, getting a bridge that that was not that did was not subtractive to my tone. That was the important thing. Remember, folks, that. The reason you're getting this new hardware is not because you want to be additive to your tone. Believe it or not, it's to retain what's to already guitar, there. Right, your your guitar is doing it, but how fast it goes away is is what happens. And and um, uh, who is it? Uh, Paul Reed Smith will be the first one to tell you a guitar is a subtractive instrument. Everything it's made of takes the tone away. So you have to you're putting things back or in it to get to, to maintain the tone or retain the tone. Can I, so can I, can I jump in? Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to get my soap off for just a second. There yeah, are ahead. a ton of fucking people line. out there who hear Paul Reed Smith talk about subtractive guitar and they go, yep. that's bullshit. Listen to me right now. I don't <laughs> care if you put fucking EMGs in your pizza box. That's right. not going to make your pizza box sound like a good guitar. Okay. No. Your guitar, everything you do is a filter. Literally everything. It's like right. in synthesizers. You have to put out a broad set of frequencies and then you use filters 
to get the things that you want out of that signal. And if you can't understand that, then you're going to have a hell of a time figuring out how to make a guitar sound the way you want it to. That's that. Don't like it? Kiss my ass. Send me an email. Questions at practicalguitars.com. It comes... Yeah, it comes from that whole, um, you know, that whole thing. Why do we buy guitars made of certain woods? Why do we, we go through this whole thing? And tone woods matter, blah, 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 blah. You know what? If it doesn't matter, then the string vibrating across two points, that's really what it comes to. You got a string vibrating across two points and magnetic pole pieces that are picking up the movement of the string. That's really all it is. You're absolutely right. If that's what you want to say, you are right in that. No one is going to argue that it's not. It's does the wood subtract from the tone? Does the bridge subtract from the tone? Does the nut subtract from the tone? And yes, there are mechanical things. We have very few moving parts. One, the strings. That's it. That's the only moving part you have. You might sit there and move your, you know, your tone control. Well, unless your bridge is shitty and it fucking vibrates or, you know. That's the, that therein lies exactly it. Right. Or you're. Your nut is vibrating, or you have a loose fret that is starting to come, or you know whatever. Those are the things that are subtracting from your tone. So if you make a you make a guitar out of a pizza box, which I mean we've all seen that thing, right? Um, you better have a really hard pizza box because after a while that that cardboard is subtracting from tone. Like I totally get it. Like okay, so pizza box guitars and stuff. Like I'm not going to shit on that guy's parade. Look, I, I that's its own niche thing. It's like the cigar cigar box thing. It's not. Yep. We nobody oh, expects geez. that thing to sound like a PRS, Jim. Okay, that's not that's not the intention of it. It's to be kind of kitschy and like yeah. silly. But to to sit there and say, okay, I'm going to take this two hundred dollars square piece of plywood from the from the ni- mid nineties, you know, that I got for forty bucks yep. off Craigslist, and I'm going to put yep. these nine hundred dollar pickups in it. You know, nine hundred dollars <laughs> yeah. of the pickups in it. And I'm going to redo all the electronics and yep. it's going to sound just like that American standard that, you know, has been upgraded. Bullshit. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Because the reality is there's so much glue in that guitar and the other things that are that are going to affect that. Now, it might only be 10 percent different. I'm not going to lie and say that it's going to be, you know, night and day different. Right. But the reality is it's different. And if you want that extra 10 percent, you're going to have to spend the money. Well, I think that there's another thing. Okay, so we all have the, the um, what I call it, the honeymoon period. When you bring an axe home and it's like, oh, it's the best thing I've ever played. Ten months later, it's like, oh, this thing's a pile of shit. Um, yeah, it happens so, a lot. <clears throat> yeah. And then when you look at a guitar that's made for $200, you got to think, like you're talking about, the glue, the wires, the, the, the uh, routes, the screws, everything that's in it. And those pop, the pop metal stuff. If you're playing night after night and you have to depend on that thing, that's when those things start to matter. It's just like when you buy a car, you can buy a Mercedes or you can buy a Honda. And will the Honda and the Mercedes get you to point A and point B at 65 miles an hour, or 90 miles an hour, however you drive? Yes, of course they will. But which one is going to you know, have more mechanical problems. Yeah, that's, and that's, that's really what so, you're doing with a guitar. So with cheap metal, the big, the biggest, the worst problem you could have is mechanical problems, right? Um, right. The mid-level problem is it sounds like crap and is not readily adjustable. And your high-level issue is it looks like shit, right? 
So to get into the the higher quality hardware, this is why I love my GNLs. They have the absolute best two point tremolo I've ever seen on a guitar. On them. their their bridge, it like the badass bridge is high mass. It's big. It's built out of extremely high quality parts. You can spend extra money when you order one and get titanium. I think it's titanium saddles. Yeah, for it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they're just they're outstanding. Not stainless saddles, which great, right? They're outstanding. Um, I've, I I have nothing but good things to say about the quality of her. Even the bridge block is a high quality yeah. bridge block. Uh, Jim, you've seen it. I mean, it. You could look at it. And you go, holy crap! Like it's it's yep. high high mass and shiny as shit because it's all polished up to look good. And they really do. Yeah. They really do number. And I've had mine out of my guitar. It's heavy as hell. Um, yeah. And probably adds a pound or two to the guitar. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But um, my point is. When you pay more and you get higher quality hardware, it's usually beneficial. I'm looking at the Ibanez right. AZ, right? Pre- the Prestige yeah. model. So you know what the difference yep. between the Prestige and the Indonesian one is? No. Other than the, a little bit of work that goes on in the neck, the only right. difference I've found, other than the finishes and the, the neck stuff, is that the bridge on the... Um, Prestige model is a higher quality bridge. I believe it's made. I want to say uh, aircraft grade titanium. So <laughs> I don't know. No, is that a thousand dollar difference? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, and here's here's where I get a little ticked off at the companies that do that. So they know that you go. You know what? These two guitars are the same except for this bridge. I'll just buy this cheaper guitar, buy the bridge, and put it on. Well, and no. They, so, oh, so well, in that it's case, slightly different size. No, I think it, I saw different. even. I think in that case, I don't think it's an aftermarket part. I think it's an Ibanez part, and I don't know if you can buy it direct from them. Their bridge, because I know saying. people like the low pro trims and stuff. I know people buy and sell those all the time on the used market because can't yeah. buy the replacement part without actually having the guitar or something. That's what I've been told. I don't. I know well, Fender used to do saying. that. I don't know. Did you yeah, know? Well, I know. Did you know that? So, if you broke your old fender neck and you wanted to get a replacement, you had to send in the broken one, and that was yeah. so that people couldn't just buy fender necks and make guitars. Well, they, um, for the stores, what they do is that's that's why that one guitar guy dumpster dives. Uh, the guitar. What they do is they they require proof. Yeah, they require proof. You have to smash the guitar, take a picture. And then that way you don't have to mail the whole thing back because they've been, you know, we're eating a lot of shipping costs that way on both ends. So they were like, hey, we don't want to pay for the shipping. And the people who were shipping were like, well, we don't want to pay for the shipping. Somebody's got to pay for the shipping. Well, take a picture of it smashed with the with the serial number. What were, um, were there okay, any so, more hardware things listed in that list yeah. that we need to cover? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit over um, some stuff. A couple of these were covered. Uh, locking tuners. This is my feeling. If if a guitar costs four hundred bucks or more, it should have fucking locking tuners on it. Come on, they're not that expensive anymore. There are a lot of inexpensive um, locking tuners, and there are a lot of expensive locking tuners. But there is absolutely, absolutely no reason a guitar four hundred fifty five hundred bucks shouldn't have locking tuners on it. Um, None. I would I I would agree with you. I don't know that four hundred is a cutoff for me, but I also feel like. Um, it is such an essential upgrade now. The manufacturers know yep. you're going to throw them on there anyway. It's it's time yep. for them to stop installing shitty 
fucking tuners on everything. Right. Um, right. The quality of tuners has gotten better on cheaper guitars. But the thing is, I want the convenience of just st- sticking that string through there, cutting it off. Like this crap of, you know, wind, 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 and have to have a string winder and all that crap. It's, yeah. it's, end it. It's time. You yep. want a vintage yep. repro? Fine. You go buy your 57 Strat. We'll continue to put That's the right. vintage tuners on there that I hate. Um, because, oh. the, hey, there's a reason they stopped, they stopped doing that for a while. Because they realize yeah. that those tuners suck. They're horrible. They suck. They might be, they might be critical to the tone, but I, I'll deal with the difference, okay? <laughs> like, yeah, it's I, fine. I, that's the same thing for me when it comes to Les Pauls. Don't give me the Clusons. Give me the new Goto locking tutors. No, I get it. Um, like people, some people need an option, and that's what the custom shop's for. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, um, the other thing was the Floyd Rose rail tail. We talked about that a little bit, um, and – so you you've really got more than I do as far as this thing goes. I I just figured <clears throat> it seems like a lot of work. Uh, is are, are you going to get what you want out of it? That's I would fine. say they so c- compared to just replacing with a standard bridge. And you say it's a lot of work. It's it, there's like two extra steps. I mean that's yeah. it's almost nothing. Um, what it gives you is tuning stability. Number one, I mean, and and tremolo stability, um, which. For a lot of people, if you use if you use an abuse of trem, like there's no reason yeah. not to not to do either that system or the super V. I mean, yeah. um Yeah, the Super V is the other one that would be And they're both on my my hit list for, for uh strat trems. Um yep. the and then the Babix is also there. And I think the Babix, you can get the saddles for the for the Babix saddles installed on the Super V. Yeah. That's so you can order a Super V custom with the Babix saddles, which is kind of cool. And I, I thought about doing that, but um, yep. I don't know. You can get a really expensive Super V if you if you deck it out. Um, yeah, I think for a I think for a Strat, I would do the the Floyd Rose rail tail. Um, yeah, yeah. I was going to do. There's definitely some reasons for that. Um, yeah. when you first mentioned Floyd Rose, and my and my brain went immediately to the Floyd Rose system, and I was like, oh, no, no, this thing is like it's just got a little metal bar that mounts over the six screw yeah. holes. And you do have to do a little bit of alignment work with this bridge, which is why I said there's a couple extra steps. But ultimately, I think it's probably the easiest to install aftermarket well, bridge that gives you it is really stable tuning. More easy to install with a six-point tremolo system than a two-point. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm no, it, you wouldn't want to upgrade a two-point anyway. And and that's my that's my whole thing. Like the reason why people upgrade strat bridges, and and this I'm just. Think about this from the marketing standpoint. The people reason why people upgrade six screw bridges is because they're really looking for a two point tremolo system, right? They want to be able to use their trem wildly and have the guitar remain reasonably well in tune. And and I know people shit all over the Fender two point systems, but if they're designed properly, um, they work reasonably well. And if they're and if they're set up properly, they work reasonably well. Um, Going to a six screw system. You have no knife edge, okay, um, which means that it's never going to return to zero if you're floating, and otherwise you have to deck it, and then you have to hope that your screws are exactly the same height across the bridge. It's 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 a system that's prone to failure. It was a bad design. Yep. Okay. The two point yeah, fixes a point. lot of the two point fixes yeah. a lot of those problems, um, and I've yes. seen guys actually notch two of the screws and pivot the whole yep. bridge on those two screws. And use them like a knife edge, 
Would yeah. I do that? No. I think I think if you're going to go that far, you might as well just throw the post and be done with it. Um, yep. There are a lot of two post options out there. The Godot bridges are excellent. People love those things. Um, yep. And so I wouldn't. I mean, I'm not. The the parts exist to make a two point great. Parts exist to make a six. You know, six screw bridge that you don't want to permanently modify exists. There's a Super V, there's the Railtail, and I'm sure there are other options out there, um, even other than the Babix. So, enjoy. I mean, it's it's you don't have to put the two the two screw holes in it. If you're going to go that route, I mean, fuck. I mean, technically, even the Floyd Rose is a replacement bridge um, at that yeah. point. Uh, granted, you're not going to have a recessed Floyd on a, on a Strat, but I, I you could probably float it. You might have to install install a half inch shim <laughs> in your yeah. neck to to get your neck up high enough to accommodate you know a floating Floyd. But um, I don't know. So to each their own. Like that, the whole like strat trim thing. It's it's been done to death. I think there are some really good designs still being made out there. You know, it's one of them. Um, and Callahan's you know vintage correct bridge is probably pretty good. And of course, we've looked at these other options as well, and they're all they're all viable. So if you really want to invest, you can you can find a system that works for you. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I, um, I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, there's a lot of companies out there, uh, and if you're looking for um, one uh, with an acoustic in it, I recommend the Fishman, the uh, um, Fishman replacement bridge. Yeah, it's a whole system, and it comes with. Uh, it comes with the um, uh, Fishman acoustic pickups in it. So the other um, the other thing that was asked that um, totally nice nice trolling, John. We give you a thumbs up for this. The Gibson robot tuners. Um, one look at the Gibson 2019 lineup. The fact from, that the robot tuners are yeah. gone finally from the complete lineup, even the high performance. Well, there's allegedly no a why massive. You the there's thing. allegedly a massive lawsuit because Gibson was selling them and was not giving the company that designed them Tronicle their due uh, assets. But I think yeah, there's, yeah. I think there's a bit of a dispute there because Tronicle, so Tronicle took yeah, the idea that Gibson had developed back in the 80s. Because they had actually developed right. a guitar called the Robot that I don't know ever right. I don't know if it ever came to production, but they developed this this self tuning oh, guitar. You're talking about the Gibson, the Gibson Robot, the early one, the the prototype they built. Okay, in the 80s. not the one. Yeah, I don't that think it ever. Not, I know the one in the was it the nineties or the early two thousand. Early two thousand. The robot work, came out, didn't but, have the battery. Yeah, it was like two thousand five, uh, two thousand six. Well, that was the. Um, you're thinking of the Firebrand. Yeah, that that thing was a piece of shit. And, but there was before that, I think there was like a Les Paul robot or something. But um, yes, yeah. so the original robot was an 80s prototype they built that had a like a self tuning system. And I don't think it ever came to market. Um, no. And I think maybe that's what they're going to argue in court with. I believe it's Tronicle that they're that they're in, in litigation with over, you know, uh, missed payments or whatever for their systems. And that's funny. And then, of course, 2018, yeah. the 2019 lineup does not feature the uh, robot tuners anywhere. No. Um you yeah. know, the stupid thing is, I don't think robot tuners should disappear from the face of the earth. I think at some point that technology will mature and everybody will be using them. Yep. But we're just not yeah. there yet. No. And and honestly, all right, so having having used it, I didn't have the problems that other people had. But after a while, and I think it really has to do with the battery, and I think the battery, and, that, and I think that's part of the problem. Batteries are, are a uh, 
pain in the ass. And if battery loses a little bit of power, not gonna, it's not gonna give the crystal. That there's a okay, so how a tuner works is there's a crystal in there, and a crystal has it takes power from the battery, and then that's what causes vibrations and picks up the vibrations and so forth. Anyway, um, the the accuracy of that can change with the battery. Um, so it doesn't make any sense yet. Uh, so I, I found that if my battery was a little bit, you know, off, and and of course they were rechargeable, recharge a battery. But I'm gonna get sh- I'm gonna catch shit for this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up too. Um, so I think the other problem that people had with those tuning systems is the same thing that you have when you use a clip-on tuner. Anybody, I mean, I'm sure we have listeners that have clip-on tuners. Everybody has them now, and you can get them for, like, I do. basically free. Yeah. Um, and yeah. clip-on tuners are convenient, but they aren't super accurate, okay? Anybody yeah. who tells you their clip-on tuner is going to be a strobe tuner or a rack tuner or even um, a decent tuner pedal, like a TU3 or something like that, chances are they're wrong. Um, I've I've actually run my... Now, I have the... Uh, I have a couple of them, actually. I have the... Polytune one, which is ni- which yeah. is nice, but I'll tell you I've what the Polytune one and uh, Snark. I don't feel like any of the any of the tuners I own right now is all that great. Um, as far as tuning, you know, tuning up an instrument and then hitting open chords and stuff. Now all my guitars, like my my main axes, are all floating, so that's part of the issue. There is I have to tune them like five six times, and even then they're not completely in tune. They're out. Um, there's nothing you can do about it. That's that's part of the floating system, especially when you play it. Depending on where you rest your yeah. hands and all that, you change tension and so forth. But yeah. um, I have, I had uh, the Polytune, the actual floor Polytune, and I felt like that's the best tuner I've ever owned. When I when I used yeah. that thing, my guitar was in tune, as close as it's ever going to get. And I kind of kicked myself because I sold mine. Um, and that will be an investment at the end of year of no gear. I'll probably get a, a, a good quality floor tuner. Um, I'm actually, I wouldn't mind having one of the uh, Strobo soft ones. Um, but I used the Boss TU. Like bucks. Yeah, I used the Boss TU three in Strobo. So, I mean, yeah, you do what you, you do what you can. I, but I, I've only got to be as accurate as the bass player. So, right, right. Um, so, as I look through the list here, I see one that I want to address, which is fret wraps, Jimmy clips, foam under the string, not behind the. Okay, bridge. so. Yeah, this is one of the few things where you're actually talking about something that you want to be subtract subtractive to the tone of guitar. Uh, so I actually I'm probably going to invest in some stuff just so we can do some testing. Um, the fret wraps, Jimmy clips, um, the foam under the strings. I've done the foam under the strings above the nut behind the bridge uh, for for playing in the studio. Like let's say you're tracking something. Those things that the foam under the strings and behind the bridge, and even in the tremolo cavity and in strats and stuff, um, do make an impact. Okay, I don't yeah. know that it would matter in a live setting because it's so loud and stuff, and and it's just you know some of those things don't come across live as well as they do in a delicate studio setting. So if you're right. tracking your gent tune in in the studio. And you want to make sure that you're getting proper palm muting and that notes die quickly and that there's no harsh overtones or anything going on um, when strings are, are resonating and whatnot. Those are definitely things you can do. Um, the foam 
and uh, the Jimmy clip and all that. The other thing that wasn't mentioned here, um, the thing that Jennifer Batten uses, and I forget what the it's called. Band. Yeah, basically, it's what it is. Um, yeah. She uses a, a it's, it's like a hairband, sweatband kind of thing that she yeah. just slides down over the strings when she does her two finger tapping to deaden all the notes that would ring out if it wasn't there. Um, if you've ever right. pl- heard somebody, uh, actually, I think you can probably find demonstrations of her doing this on YouTube where she shows it with, with and without. It is night and day for two-handed tapping. If you're one of those people, get some scrunchies or something because I'll yep. tell you what, it'll, clean, you really it'll clean your playing up um, significantly. So Honestly, the scrunchy, the scrunchy thing was what guitar players yeah, were what, using yeah. for years. Or a sock. So somebody decided, or a sock, yeah. yeah. A sock, yep. Yeah. Um, who was it? Victor Wooten, uh, bass player. Got back to bass. Another one that used that. Trick. Batten uses sock too, by the way. She used to use a sock before yep. she got her things made in China that you can buy through her website. Um, was it a happy sock? I have no idea. Probably Jennifer Batten. It was Jennifer Batten's sock. It was probably this foot does not stink kind of thing. I don't yep. know. Because yep. it never had to get used on feet. Yeah, it was happy. It all it did was sit in a guitar case, went a guitar, went back in the case. Yeah, that actually would make make a sock happy. I think never so. be trampled upon. That's right. Should never be stepped on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we covered everything. I think we. I think we hit them all. I think we did. Um, yeah. So the the um the only thing that that uh, we didn't talk about that you do sometimes is. Putting the foam behind the springs. Did you mention that? Okay. Putting the foam behind the springs. Uh, so on a guitar, especially one where you either have four springs or more, and you have the the tremolo decked, you can hear, and I would say that's probably the, the uh, perfect storm of conditions, you can hear yeah. almost a spring reverb sound coming out of when you play the instrument. All right? Yep. Single notes chords you'll hear it with everything although i was think right. i if i recall the last guitar i had that did it really bad it's actually my white strat um when you play chords on it 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 was noticeably worse so i didn't actually use foam at first i used right. um kleenex of all things because anything right. that touches those springs will keep them from vibrating now right. there's a very particular way in which you have to install this because if you so if you just stuff it in there right and you do a dive bomb or something and the strings or the springs that are inside stretch and then they come back to pit or they come back to tension. Guess what's going to happen? It's going to grab that, that. Yeah. And it's going to, it's going to pinch. And then of course you're going to have problems with tuning. So I like the Kleenex because I could wrap it in tape and then put it in there almost like a block on top of the springs. And since it was flat because of the tape, the springs didn't vibrate. Yep. So and they didn't catch it. Yep, there's my that's my pro tip. Um, so I would make like a little, it almost looked like a little napkin packet thingy that would yeah. go in there to touch the. Yeah, it it was so crafty. Let me tell you. Um, and then of course I would use the back plate to hold it in place. But I've seen people actually just tape it in there. It's fine, and it probably would work great. And um, for people on a budget, you can use the napkins first, and then put them in tape. I have my mouth in full, <laughs> wide open, what the fuck, Jim mode right now. For for those are, you know, those of you who are actually still listening to this bullshit. This yeah, I'm sorry if you're still listening. 
Um, also, oh, so we're wrapping this episode up. Um, I want to reach out to our listeners, encourage anybody who is not a member of the Facebook group to join. Um, we got an active community there. A lot of the suggestions for this podcast episode were pulled from the Facebook group. And also yeah, like- want to apologize. We've been having some connection issues during this episode. Um, Jim's audio is not going to be great in post, uh, but it'll, it, it'll be legible. You'll be able to hear it. So apologize, but you, you can deal with it. I am so sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean to speak, so I don't know. I don't know how it sounded on your end. So it's that, it's that West Virginia internet or whatever. <laughs> You're not in West Virginia anyway. You're in Virginia. I'm not in West Virginia. I'm from Virginia. Yeah, they, over no, here in Virginia. They, nothing, nothing is good about that either way. <laughs> well, I'm in Southern Virginia. You're either close to Washington or. <laughs> you know the thing is, so we're like three and a half hours from Washington, and everything. Yeah. Everybody's like shit a Washington rolls Redskins shit, fan. Shit rolls and, out downhill, uh, right? Yeah, it, it, you can't stand to be around Redskins fans when they're winning. So, anyway, also uh, sound off about the uh, the new bumper in the uh, the podcast group if you made it this far. So, yeah, and if you don't know what a bumper is, that's where um, Dave begs for money. And, yeah, I beg uh, you for money and resources, and then there's like a really cool tune that I did underneath it. And so I'm begging for, for your, for your, um, commentary. For approval. Yes. His, his daddy didn't give him, doesn't give him enough love and he needs the approval from you. You leave my father. Actually, my, yeah, my father, you can talk about my father cause he's been dead for like 20 something years. Yeah. Mine's still alive. Got a hole in his gut right now, but he's still alive. Uh, he just had, he just had hernia surgery. Dad, if uh, you're listening, hope you feel better. Yeah. I know you're too. not. So I, fuck you. Yeah. Fight me. I, I might meet this guy. I don't want to say that. No. All right. So anyway. Yeah. You don't want him to fight you. No. He can beat me up. I'm sure of that. Why don't you take us out this time, Jim? I'll take us out. I've been Jim. And I've been David. And we have been. The practice. That's right. There's a creepy, creepy eyeball razor. Right